going on, everybody? Welcome back to the ninth episode of the I Rest My Take podcast. I'm Max Adams. My name is Spellman. We are, we're a little different. I'm just gonna we're a little different uh, this week. Uh, I had a little COVID scare, so we're uh, we're doing it on Zoom today or this week, I should say. Uh, so we're we're just changing some up, something up uh, for this week, but still given the content and all the all the good things to talk about for sports. Yep, ML Studio will have to take the back seat this week. Yeah. Um, but we do we do have a lot to get to. Um, first of all, we hope everybody had a, th- uh, a good Thanksgiving. Um, and hopefully you were able to see your family in some way, shape or form and make it really what Thanksgiving is supposed to be. Um, speaking of Thanksgiving, we had Thanksgiving football as we always do. Um, there's another hectic week in the NBA off season. Um, some, some tragic news on uh, why we can't have nice things with uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, went down this weekend, went a very scary looking injury. Yeah, that did not look good at all. No, no, it was a brutal-looking play. Um, I have a lot to talk about there because yeah. that that blew me through the roof. But yeah. um, we got some off NBA offseason moves uh, that will that have continued. But I mean, as always, NBA offseason is always big. So we're gonna dive into more stuff about that. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking over the next month or so, we're gonna have a lot to talk about between the NBA offseason, the NFL coming down to get into the playoffs. The MLB offseason is about to kick off. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of chaos going on right now. And I said last week was probably the most chaotic week, but we're bound to have a couple more weeks similar. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, first things first, let's get straight into the NBA offseason moves. Yeah. Um, so literally the day after we recorded um, episode eight, um, the Montrez Harrell move shook up the NBA landscape and uh, – yeah. Patrick Beverly's tight. Um, the whole Clippers org- organization is tight because they are the most em- emotional people in America. Um, and the Lakers are just making moves and try to push the Clippers on their way out. They got Harold. They picked up Marcus Gasol. They picked up Wes Matthews. But they lost Rondo. They lost Dwight Howard. And they lost JaVale. And I just – I don't know. And Avery Bradley, even and though and he Avery wasn't Bradley. on the championship team. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the, the people that we've lost because they were kind of key – in the run that we've made, but the, what we've, what we've gotten to make up for them. Um, I, I, oh, think, I, I think, think um, fill the void just fine. Oh, I think the Lakers, you guys are absolutely, I think you guys are much better. I think Machos Harrell is, is honestly, you're the, the, like the, the 10 or even like just the second team is going to be on with Schroeder and Harrell coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And then the Wesley Matthews signing was so underrated. I think he's going to be huge. I'm trying to figure out the starting lineup and what it will be. I'm thinking probably they'll probably do LeBron back at the one, uh, Matthews maybe, and, and Caldwell Pope. And then I, I was cause they're not going to start Kuzma, right? No, they're not going to start Kuzma. Yeah. I'm thinking like Davis and Gasol. Um, yeah, it would be Schroeder, KCP, LeBron. Um, oh, you think Schroeder is going to start? Yeah, I do. Because okay. we picked up, we still have Caruso. So we have yeah. two point guards on both teams. Um, and Caruso is not a starter. I mean, they love him over there, so it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if Shooter came off the bench. But I, I would assume that Shooter would be the starter. Okay. Um, I just didn't know if they wanted to give LeBron the reins more at point guard again next year. Yeah, I think that anywhere LeBron's on the floor, it's going to benefit that offense. But, I yeah. mean, either way, I'm not complaining. I'm sure the, the point guards that were on that team last year played off the ball most of the time anyways. Yeah. So I'm sure if Dennis Shooter is in, he's going to be playing off the ball and LeBron's yeah. going to be running the one. So yeah. we'll see. No, with the Marcus, I like the Marcus. That was 
big time. I like that a lot. I think he's going to compliment Davis very well and Harrell. Yeah, both Harrell and the Gasol moves came out of nowhere. Like, I didn't hear any speculation about those reports. They just kind of, like, Woj just hit us with a bomb, as he does. And um, I think the contract, too, for Harrell was – I thought he he deserved more money than what he got. What was it, a two-year 19 mil? Yeah, I thought he definitely deserved – he was six mil a year. He should deserve at least a little more than that. Yeah, I mean, he wants to be a part of a winning championship culture, and I can't say I blame him. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he made the absolute right decision, but maybe if I was an agent of Harold, I, I would give him a little more money. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but you know, Montrez is a dog, like he, he wants to win first and foremost and exactly. his money will come in time. So, I mean, it, it, he's sacrificing to win, which yeah, I, yeah. I can't blame him for it. Right. Um, <laughs> I am concerned about the size situation that we have going on because mm-hmm. Marcus and Montrez are way smaller than JaVale and Dwight. So I'm afraid our physicality will kind of will kind of decrease a little bit. Yeah. And well, Gasol, Gasol still he's a seven footer, right? Is he six eleven? Yeah, he's, a, he's like uh, yeah, he's like a six ten, six eleven. But Harold's Harold's undersized. Yeah. Um, Montrez is physical, but he's undersized. Marcus is the right size for a center, but he's not as physical as most of the centers that come yeah, along. Yeah. No, absolutely. And Javale and Dwight both brought a, a physic uh, physicality and defensive presence to the table that I just don't think that either of them really can, can live up to, or mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe Harold, but like I said, he's undersized. So that's my one concern there. But other than that, I think our lineup looks great. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. I like it a lot for sure. Another, um, another, I just want to point out one thing we got to talk about is, uh, is Chris Dunn mm-hmm. literally right, right next to our hometown of, uh, or Waterford next town of uh, New London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Chris Dunn, I've ever seen him in high school play. He was one of the best players I've ever seen. He just signed a two-year, ten million dollar deal with the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's pretty good. He was, he had a pretty good year last year. I mean, nothing compared to like he was a top five pick. So obviously, you want to see him do better than that. Mm-hmm. But I think he was like second in the league in steals, and I, that was a good contract to see him get. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. We always love to see uh, people from from the L and people from New London County really getting putting on for the for the eight six zero. But yeah, um, sure. yeah, ten mil is a lot for anybody around here. Yeah. So to to have that going for him is is like shout out chris dunn i was yeah. actually just gonna bring up the hawks too they're making a lot of noise they, right now. they probably made the most moves out of anyone right i i think so i think yeah. they're they're i don't know if they're a legitimate contender but they're going to be in the conversation for sure come next year uh yeah. they picked up um dunn they picked up rondo they picked up galinari and what was the other one oh, oh donovich, donovich. yeah after that whole dramatic Twilight saga yep. to a close, he ended up in the Hawks, which I can't say I understand that move at all. Yeah. As far as like he's concerned, but just but the Hawks and they, the Hawks and they drafted to... they drafted uh Neka Kunga too. Like they, yeah, they had a very moves. Yeah. I respect yeah. especially in the East. They could they could be a legit contender in the East for sure. Yeah, the East with Trey Young right now. Yeah. The East is wide open, especially with the moves. Couple other moves in the East. Uh, the Celtics picked up Tristan Thompson. Yep. Um, the Charlotte Hornets picked up Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of noise being made in the East right now, and a lot of teams trying to get better and really fill the voids that they've had. Yeah. No, let's go. I was. I brought up Gordon Hayward as well on my list. Uh, I mean, four years, 120 million dollars. I mean, I like Gordon Hayward, but I don't know if he's worth that much money. Dang. I mean, Charlotte needs all they can get. Honestly, they've yeah. they've been. They've been dying for uh, for some sort of success over there, and with Lamelo, uh, all the young core that they have with Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, I think that they're finally looking yeah. to to really make 
make a playoff push or at least be yeah. relevant in the East and not one of those lower tier teams that you see every year. So if, if he's healthy, like if he comes back to kind of like that old, like Gordon Hayward on the jazz, like his last year, the all-star year, mm-hmm. the Hornets could be tough. If, if Lamelo is everyone is like what everyone says he's going to be. Yeah. He's there. Definitely a dark horse team. Down yeah. there. They're, they're going to be, they're going to be slept on and they're going to creep up on people when they're least expecting it. For sure. For sure. Um, I got one more move if uh, for my set for my list, but the the 2017 NBA draft. So we got Jason Tatum, Darren Fox, Donovan Mitchell, and Bam Adebayo all got extensions. And Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, yeah, he was. I think he was might have been 2016, but still, all the oh yeah, the, the young yeah. core of that 2017 draft and Ingram in the 2016. Like these, like the the future of the NBA is is unreal. In good hands. In oh my god, good yeah. hands. Um, I was actually just that was going to be the last thing that I brought up was Perfect. the contract extension because there there are some guys that out there that got paid paid yeah. Max, deservingly so. Bam is yeah. going to be a star. Mitchell is already a star, as is Jason Tatum, and Brandon Ingram is only going to get better after yeah. making the All Star team this year. The only thing I would say, like De'Aaron Fox deal, because he's not like proven compared to the other guys, but I think he's only going to get better too. Yeah, it, so you might as well lock him up now per se. Yeah, they're going to look to build around him. I would think him and um, Halliburton, I think, is going to yeah. be what they look to build around moving forward. And they're they're going to hopefully try to draw in just pre-agents. Just signed Hassan Whiteside this week. They're, yeah, they're, they they could... almost made a run last year as it was. I mean, losing yeah. Bogdanovich obviously hurts a, a good amount. But they're going to th- – yeah, they're gonna compete. Uh, yeah, they're done being slouches, I guess. They're yeah. done being the the laughing stock or one of the biggest laughing stocks in the NBA, other than like people like the Knicks. Yeah, so. yeah, they won't be as bad as the Knicks. <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, but moving on from the NBA, uh, the Thanksgiving games went on uh, yesterday. We yep. only ended up with two, unfortunately, with the, yeah. the most exciting matchup out of the three that we were supposed to have on on deck, kind of falling through due to some COVID stuff, but. Both of those games, I gotta say, kind of stunk. Kind of yeah. stunk. I didn't. They were both blowouts, really. And I mean, I tell you what, though, Deshaun Watson looks looks pretty damn good lately. Yeah, I was gonna say, if anybody should get should be getting the turkey leg out of the out of that whole four uh, four teams that went on yesterday, it definitely should be Deshaun Watson. Uh, over yeah. three hundred yards, four TDs, including a bizarre flea flicker, by the way, which is that the- was I don't know, was that planned? I, I have no idea. It looked like yeah. a back stretch. Duke Johnson was like, all oh, right, I can't run the ball. And then, like, just yeah. threw it back to the shot. I thought that was really weird. Prayer. So well, that, I mean, was, yeah, that Will, was one of the more bizarre flea flickers I've ever seen. Absolutely. Will, Will Fuller had a game, too. Like, oh, my God. I think he had, like, 170 yards and two touchdowns. Like, Deshaun loves that, man. Mm-hmm. As he should. I mean, he doesn't really have a lot to, a lot else to work with, with yeah. Bill O'Brien being brain dead and just not knowing how the NFL works. Right. Um, getting rid of his favorite target already so i mean he's gotta he's gotta figure it out with somebody else now until they get him another De- deandre hopkins if they get him another, another deandre hopkins yeah we'll see with that yeah. but then the other game uh and antonio gibson had himself a day oh my god the rookie like i think uh there was a stat i saw he was the first rookie since randy moss to have three touchdowns on thanksgiving day i, thought that was I saw that the iconic stat line at the three receptions 163 yards three, three touchdowns yeah to be in the same conversation as that type of game is is uh, saying something in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Who know? That was a big win for the football team. Yeah, they're in. Are they? It, it's so messed up that they whoever won that game would have been in sole possession of right. NFC East first place. Four and seven, like that's insane. 
for it. I really want to know what the final place yesterday. Say it again. The Cowboys could have been in first place yesterday. Um, the Cowboys, the Andy Dalton led Cowboys. It's gonna be, it's gonna be unreal. Like if the Eagles somehow beat the Seahawks on Sunday night, like that I, division, I, the, you have no idea what's gonna happen. No idea. No idea. Uh, there's there's two coaches that I think should be losing jobs after yesterday. Oh, my God. Uh, I yeah. already said, I was already on this from before, that Mike McCarthy should have been fired after week six. That like, was the worst it was coaching I've ever seen. They went for it on fourth and – well, first one was fourth and short, and they threw it when they yeah. just paid Zeke $190 million or how, yeah. however the hell the much it was. Um, and then they went for it on fourth and 10 on their own 20 with a fake double reverse punt. That, that was the worst. Absolutely nowhere. The, yeah, they didn't even throw the ball on fourth and ten, like on their own twenty. And it was a, I think it was a four point game. I think it was twenty yeah. sixteen. It was a one possession game. That's terrible. Like that's not even like you were trying to be ballsy, but that's not even. That's just that's just stupid. Yeah, no. Mike McCarthy is like he is like the polar opposite of what you want an NFL coach. To I don't. I don't think he likes football. I don't think so. I don't think yeah. he likes. I don't think he likes being a coach. I just think yeah. he. Got noticed, and that he's doing it for a living now. Yeah, I, he's struggling over there. Yeah, and then Matt Patricia, what does he do there? I'm, yeah, what? Because his he's a defensive specialist, but his defense is the worst in the league. And their offense is what wins them games. Their offense is okay at yeah. best. Like they're they're all right, and he doesn't make yeah. he refuses to make any of the like critical decision like anything. He he's just like, all right, it's fourth down. All right, we're not. I'm surprised. Fourth and one. Yeah. Oh, Go kick it. We don't it's want them He might be going after this year for sure. I would hope so. I would hope that Lions fans, the very few of them that exist, would be like, hey, like, can we get somebody that actually contributes to this football team and doesn't make us a wasteland like the rest of the Detroit sports? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They owe Jim Caldwell an apology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole Lions team, like, they're they're not – they've never been really relevant for the last – I don't know, ever since we've been alive. Yeah, never. Never like once. Uh, probably last time they were relevant was freaking Barry Sanders. Like they didn't do anything with really Stafford early in his career with Megatron. Like they were uh, just they were just like stats, but mm-hmm. they never have right. They've never won a Super Bowl, right? Nope. They I don't think they've made it to a Super Bowl. Nope. I'm not. If I'm a player, I'm not going to Detroit. I think we talked about that with basketball, but I'm not going yeah. to football either. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it. I don't want any part part to do with the the most successful team. In Detroit is the Tigers. Tigers and it's because yeah. they made two World Series and they didn't win either of them. Yeah. So that, yeah. and then look at them now. Yeah. Oh, they're they're not good. Detroit is. Stay away from Detroit if you're not. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then the final yeah. thing out of that routes out our top three is uh, the Joe Burrow injury. The yeah. Joe Burrow injury. I have a lot to say about this, so I'll let you take it first, and then I I will go on my little rant. I I just. I just feel bad. Like there's nothing really from, I don't really have any, I'm not mad at anyone. If anything, I'm mad just that they need, they need to help him because his offensive line is ass and you have one of the futures of the NFL really behind center for you and you're not going to protect him. But I just feel, I love this. I love kind of watching young, young guys just succeed in the NFL and he was playing very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's a very talented guy and you just hate to see, especially the way he got hurt. Mm -hmm. Like it makes you, it makes you cringe because it was so bad, but. I hope everything – he might have structural damage with the knee, so I'm, I just hope he comes back fully healthy. Yeah. Um, that play itself, I, I feel like wasn't – shouldn't that have been a roughing the passer? Aren't you not allowed to go low like that anymore? Yeah. I think I, – I forget. I just remember him, the guy, like, falling right into his knee. 
Yeah, it was it was know. Chase Young, no? I don't know if it was. I remember seeing dreads flying. Was it? I, I believe so. Don't, no, don't quote me on it. I doubt I don't think it would because I feel like that would have been more like publicity, like, oh, Chase Young is the one that got him hurt. Mm-hmm. But I but you could be right. Yeah. I don't know. He showed his respects because they were Ohio State teammates between right. him and Dwayne Haskins and um was it McLaurin? Um that was his other one. Probably, I would yeah. assume so, yeah. So those three guys are very outspoken about that. And we're like one's a Ohio State family, always Ohio State family. Yeah. So that was that was good to see. But all right. So I'm gonna go on my tangent here, right? So he has MCL and ACL tears with structural damage that you you mentioned on really what it was an awful looking play. I'm gonna start out by saying Zach Taylor should be fired. Fired. Really? Fired. There's no reason your future face of the franchise should be throwing the ball a total of 404 times in 11 games, dropping back to pass at least 48 times in each game. There is no reason, especially when you have a terrible offensive line, you have capable running backs, and you have no shot at making the playoffs. Like, this was a developmental year. So develop him and take baby steps and don't just try to, like, go balls to the wall every game, throwing, throwing him until he can't walk anymore because that's basically what he did. And there's just as as a coach, your your main jobs are to know your personnel and know what your future of your team is. Mm-hmm. He did not take into account his offensive line. He is not protecting the future face of this franchise because that is going to be the face of their franchise moving forward. And if they're going to have any success, it's going to be through him or if it's, it's going to be through nobody because Cincinnati Bengals football has been a history of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. So Zach, Zach Taylor needs to go needs to go you have to find somebody that understands football enough to know that that is not okay that is not acceptable that is not they are they are really sending joe burrow out there to die and that's exactly what happened and there was only a matter of time when you were doing that where you were dri- making him drop back to pass 50 times a game that he was going to do that so it just infuriated me that they they got to the point where Joe Burrow paid the price out of something that was so easily avoidable and something that shouldn't have even been a thought in the first place. No, I, I throwing that many times is definitely like, you got to hand the ball. I know Joe Mixon's hurt, but you still got to relieve some pressure off, bro. He can't be thrown that if many times. Gonna, if you're going to throw that many times, you should have the offensive line that the Cowboys had the the two or three years. With like Zeke's like first. Yeah. Zeke's like first year. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, even an average offensive line wouldn't be able to handle that many pass rushes like that. And their offensive line is probably, if not the worst, bottom of the barrel. The worst, absolutely. So it, it, I don't understand as a coach how you don't know that and you don't see that and you don't have the self awareness to kind of figure that one out. Yeah. So that yeah, that was my little tangent because that watching that and then seeing all like the times that he had to drop back to pass and like how often he was relied on as a rookie in his first year is just ridiculous to me. Yeah, I felt really bad for him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but speaking of kind of rookies, uh, instead of our two minute drill for this week, we're gonna segue into a different thing uh, that we usually end the show with later on is our ranking segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna rank our top ten NFL rookies. As well as add a little top three of our favorite Thanksgiving. Oh, was it was it dishes or sides? Sides. 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 Yeah. yeah. So we we wanted to be a little festive. Want to be yeah. in holiday spirit. You know. Happy Turkey Day. Well, yeah. late Turkey Day now, but happy yeah. Turkey Day. Black Friday, late Turkey Day. Yep. Absolutely. Um. Well, you want to do a ten from one again? Yeah. Yep. Um. Okay. 
And we should probably say that the two-minute drill is still in the show. It's just going to be in the second half. Uh, That is our favorite. That is your guys' favorite. It's not going anywhere, which is because of the schedule change and the kind of where where we've had, like, the amount of time that we've had to prepare for the show this week. We kind of had to switch things around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. Nah. Um, but for, so we'll go, we'll start at 10. I'll, I'll start. Um, okay. at my number 10 for the NFL rookies, I went with, uh, Tristan, uh, Wirfs. I believe that's, I don't know if I could be mispronouncing his name, but, uh, he's been one of Tom Brady's kind of biggest protectors, uh, this year. Uh, to me, I thought he went late in the draft. Cause I thought like Andrew Thomas was weird to go like for the first lineman, uh, out of this draft. I thought this kid was one of the best out of Iowa, but he's played great football. And I actually saw an analyst say like, he's one of the best rookies like this year. So I had him at 10. I'm, I couldn't really put him ahead of a lot of other guys. Cause like, I've seen a lot more of the other skill positions play, but, but he's been no joke. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually end up putting any offensive linemen in my, in my list just because it's hard to judge offensive. Yeah. Like obviously they're doing a job and they're doing it well, but mm-hmm. I don't really know what the difference is between like Tristan Wirfs and Makai Benton and like what, yeah. what they're kind of doing. So I, I didn't feel I didn't feel like I, I had the wherewithal to really throw them in this list. So I have a lot of skills position guys, a lot of defensive guys. That's um, right. So at my number ten spot, I have my original defensive rookie of the year pick, and Patrick Queen. Uh, Patrick Queen. Uh, when we reached the midseason point, um, he was he was balling out of control. He was a facilitator on the defensive end of the ball, uh, picking up two forced fumbles. He's had a couple sacks, and he's he's um, one of the the team leaders in tackles for losses. Um, but obviously in the last three games, he's regressed a little bit as have the Ravens. Um, so obviously we haven't ha- heard as much noise and there are probably other people that would rank above him for defensive rookie of the year right now. But yeah, he's, he's um, one of the league leaders. Um, and I think he's top 15 or top 25 in tackles with 46. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's uh, bringing back the, the Ravens culture of linebacking uh, back to Baltimore again. Yeah, no, he's he's a very talented guy. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. The linebacker core, and because I, the first thing that came to my mind when he said it was Ray Lewis, and if mm-hmm. he's anything like Ray Lewis, they have a great one over there in Baltimore. Absolutely. Uh, but my number nine, a guy that had a slow middle start to the year, but it's probably one of the most talented rookies, is uh, C.D. Lamb. He had one of the best catches I've probably seen this year. Uh, I think that was that was last week before yeah, the Thanksgiving game. Adjustment in the corner of the end zone. That was that was unreal, and he was probably having. Probably having one of the best rookie years, probably like the first like three games with Dak. Uh, obviously, with Dak going down, he hasn't been the same. But he's kind of the last couple of games we've been playing a lot better. And he's talent-wise, he's probably the most talented rookie out there. But production-wise, he's I couldn't give him really the benefit of the doubt just on talent. But he's you can't argue he's one of the best rookies uh, in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, at my number nine spot, a guy that would it came onto the scene hot at the beginning of the year, had a great opening night, was third in rushing until uh, or through week nine, and then somebody kind of took his carries away. But it was Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um, yeah, he had Le'Veon never got there, he would still be among the league leaders, if not the league leader in rushing yards. I believe he had he's at 659 for the year right now, he's on pace to break a thousand yards rushing. and. He really – he was one of the last picks in the first round. He wasn't really expected to do much with Damian Williams over there. He was supposed to be a secondary guy. But once Damian Williams opted out, they they took a chance on Edwards Lair, and it has worked out for the better. That's just another weapon and a, a weapon-filled offense. Absolutely. Uh, my number eight, um, I went with Chase Young. So I had him – I had him as my defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I didn't really – 
like he doesn't jump off the page. I mean, obviously he's, he's one of the most talented guys, like just like I said with CD Lamb. But he, I mean, his numbers aren't as great because the defensive line he plays with is one of the best in the NFL with the with the football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have five first round picks that like they're insane. Yeah, he missed two games too. No, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's still. I think he's got like I think he had a sack last Thursday. Uh, he's got like four, I think he had three and a half. He might have four four and a half now. A couple forced fumbles. Like he's still still producing. Um, but so I had Chase Young as my number eighth uh, rookie, rookie. Uh, but still, he's he's a menace and he has a great career looking uh, ahead for him. Yeah, between the last two weeks where I've really watched football team football, um, Chase Young has <laughs> been all over the field. Oh, he's he, the game. He's been he was everywhere in the Dallas game. He was everywhere. He looks yeah. to be a guy that is going to be a generational type defensive defensive end. Absolutely. Um, at my number eight spot, another guy coming from the football team circuit. Uh, had a big day yesterday. We talked about him already. Uh, he just eclipsed the 600-yard mark on the season. Uh, Antonio Gibson. Um, uh, he's averaging over five yards a carry. Um, he has the second most offensive snaps of, among any position uh, skill position in Washington right now. Um, he's got 10 touchdowns on the season, uh, as well as uh, over 25 receptions. So he's, he's an active participant in what is a very, very low – caliber offense out there but he's yep. really making the most of it and really shining when the lights when the lights are on him and he's really he came on late um he didn't really have the the breakthrough start to the season that like fantasy managers thought he would have but he has come around to be probably one of the or yeah top the top running back of his rookie class for sure not yeah. like the top but one of the top backs yeah i have him at my number seven spot antonio gibson uh after watching him yesterday, Thursday night, he looked very good. I mean, he had a th- I think he had a 34-yard touchdown run and a 27. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I mean, he had three touchdowns, over 100 yards. And he, he has seven touchdowns the last four weeks. So he's been producing uh, in that aspect. But he's also eighth in the NFL rushing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the NFL, the running backs have been kind of not as glorified as usually they ha- are. Like, I think they got – it's like Derrick Henry and, Cal- and Calvin uh, – Calvin. Dalvin Cook and then everyone else really, mm-hmm. uh, but but Antonio Gibson has looked great and he's like you said he's if he's not number one best running back he's I would say he's number two, um, in terms of rookies. Sure. Um, at my number seven spot I have uh, Antoine Winfield. Uh, he's got fifty two tackles, two interceptions, uh, and two sacks and a forced fumble. He's been a force. He's been all over the field. He reminds me a little bit of a guy out in Arizona in Buda Baker where he's yep. just making plays. He's all over the field. He's always got something to say or something to do with any passing play through the air, really any any big play where they're looking for a stop. He's got it. He's involved in some way, shape, or form. Him and that linebacking corner complement each other like tremendously. So yeah. I, I expect Antoine Winfield to really be a, a quintessential safety moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, my number six, I actually have another running back, uh, James Robinson. This kid has been – he's third in the NFL rushing, uh, so that speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the touchdowns aren't aren't as per, great as per se Antonio Gibson, who has 11, mm-hmm. but the yard is there. And he, like like you said, watching, I think you said watching Chase Young, he just looks like he just looks great out there. Watching a few games of James Robinson, I know the Jaguars aren't like must see TV, but he's kind of the lone bright spot on that team, and and uh, he's like the only kind of relevant guy they could play in fantasy for them. But he's he's looks great, and I think another guy undrafted, he could. He could turn out to be a really good undrafted uh, rook or undrafted NFL player, and I think he's, the future is bright for him. Absolutely. 
Um, I have a little more up on my list, uh, but the guy I have here in a stacked wide receiver rookie class, um, who I think is going to end up being the best out of all of them, is uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool does not get nearly enough credit yeah. for being in this rookie of the year conversation as he deserves. Um, he's six in the NFL in receiving tu- uh, receiving touchdowns. He uh, just eclipsed over over 650 yards on the season last week. He got off to a kind of slow start because we, we didn't really know. We didn't really hear much noise from him until the four the four touchdown game. Um, but yeah, he's he's going to be a freak. Uh, six foot six, built like DK Metcalf, has all the all the uh, traits of a DK Metcalf, and yeah. I think that he's got better hands. So I mean, moving forward, I think Chase Claypool is going to be a force to be reckoned with, and definitely going to be one of the faces of the league. Uh, that as at least in the wide receiver position. Yeah, no, he's he is supremely talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five, you mentioned him earlier, but uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, just just looking at him, he's he's a great football player. I mean, there's no like like you said the stats. Like I think he's a 52 tackle. Like he looks he looks great. He looks like a bit one of the better safeties in the NFL already as a rookie, uh, and the talent's there, and, he, and he's been producing. So that's why I had Antoine Winfield as my number five rookie. Uh, my number five, I had a guy that you already mentioned is Chase Young. Um, 22 tackles obviously isn't no, anything to go crazy about, but um, the five and a half sacks is, the one forced fumble is, and out of, uh, according to the next gen stats, 18.4% uh, of his pass rushes and, or his pass rush win rate is 18.4%, which rates 16th currently in the NFL. Yeah, no, definitely. He's, he is insane. <laughs> Um, at my number four, I have, uh, I have Chase Claypool. He has, like you said, he's just jumped up the page in terms of just his physique. But he's got 10 total touchdowns. Uh, and, and like you said, he came on the, the season slow. But that's just because they have so many guys over there mm-hmm. uh, in Pittsburgh and there's so many mouths to feed. But I think next year, like you said, DK Metcalf, he could make that jump from first year to second year. But he's a freak. So uh, he was my number four rookie. Um, my number four rookie – uh, I think that he he's very swept under the table as far as um, like rank is concerned because third in the in rushing kind of speaks for itself. But uh, James Robinson, um, he he's been just an out of nowhere guy, undrafted, um, and he he is really taking advantage of the Jacksonville's easy defensive schedule. Yeah, definitely. so I I'm not. He he's impressed and really shown out and the the opportunity that he's had to this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, in my number three, I have I have Joe Burrow. I I was deciding if I wanted to be two or three, but the guy at my two spy I think was just a little bit better. Uh, but Joe Burrow is my number three. Uh, he, he again we talked about him earlier, but you feel bad for the injury, but he was he was playing great football and uh, he's I think he's obviously in the top three, but um. I just feel bad because he really had a shot at winning rookie of the year. Absolutely. He was definitely in the conversation. And I think that he, he deserves to be more than three, uh, which is why I have Justin Jefferson as my number three, um, three ranked rookie. He's got um, around 50 receptions, uh, almost a thousand yards on the season, three touchdowns and 18.1 yards per catch, which ties him for fourth in the league with DK. And he's had at least three games, 350 um, with, or three games, with at least 136 receiving yards. So that is, that is speaks among itself. And uh, he's really a, a big play threat at all times. Yeah, no, he's, he's a freak. Um, and my, and my number two, I have Justin Jefferson. Um, I think 
I just think he's had a big impact for the Vikings, especially with Stefan Diggs leaving. He's eighth in the NFL in receiving. Uh, I have no problem with you having him at three and Burrow at two. Cause I mean, I was going either way with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if Burrow maybe had a better record, but that's the same thing with Herbert. It's just tough to read. And right, Bur- I think right. Burrow had to do more with less, but it's just, Justin, you can't argue Justin Jefferson has been an animal this year. Uh, that's, I had him at two. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My number two spot, I have Joe Burrow. Um, he was among top 10 passing yards this season uh, with a 65% completion rate, which is a ton given that he, he throws the ball as much as he does. So that, that jumps off the page for me. And um, he had 14 touchdowns before going down with 100 150 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the, on the rushing attempts. So uh, he's the first rookie to have three straight 300 plus yard games. And yeah. he's just, he, he's had a hell of a year for a guy that really did not have a lot to work with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then at my number one, uh, I have Justin Herbert. I mean, this dude has been literally a prototypical quarterback. He's like Mahomes 2.0 kind of as a rookie. Uh, he's He looks great, and he's all the makings of an NFL quarterback. Uh, I mean, the stats don't lie, but he is just – you look at him, and he's, he's literally the generational NFL player that, that teams want in a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also have Justin Herbert. I think this one's pretty obvious. Um, he has defied all expectations. Um, and he he has really gone toe-to-toe with some of the league's best. He went toe-to-toe with, um, with Breeze, with Brady, with Mahomes, and all took him to the wire in games that at least two of those three, they probably should have won, um, yep. especially the Tampa Bay game. Uh, thrown for over 200, uh, 2,400 yards with a 66.8 completion percentage with 19 touchdowns to six interception uh, ratio. Mm-hmm. So he's he's just gone absolutely nuts. And um, I, I don't think you could take this rookie of the year away from him. Yeah, no, it's it's his to lose at this point, um, I think. But I think he's got it pretty much locked up. Mm-hmm. And then our three our three stuffings right here quick. Uh, our, not three stuffings. I already got ahead of myself. Our three uh, Thanksgiving sides – uh, for my three, obviously one, I already said it, stuffing, uh, mac and cheese, and applesauce. But my applesauce is homemade applesauce that we make at my house. Okay. So it's got a little got a little extra bonus for me. But those are my three, stuffing, mac and cheese, and applesauce. My three, um, mashed potatoes, but they have to be made a certain way. You got to make them with garlic butter and all Ooh. that good stuff. Otherwise, you taste the taste, you taste the texture too much. And that's just really not for me. You could, it's possible to make bad mashed potatoes, but my family does not do that at all. <laughs> um, my second is cornbread. I okay. mean, cornbread is bomb, goes good with everything, like any meal that you have. And uh, I have people in my family that just hit it out of the park every year with cornbread. And mm-hmm. then one, I I don't, for me, this isn't much debate here, but it's got to be mac and cheese. Come on. Yeah, Come so on. good. It's always hits. Absolutely. Um. And that, there we go. That's it for our, we kind of mixed it up a little bit this uh, week, but that's what we, all we have for you for, for right now. But thank you for listening to the ninth episode of the IRS would take podcast. Have a good one.